This is Dish and Dirt with Gary Pickren, South Carolina's only podcast dedicated to the real estate agent craft. And now, the host of Dish and Dirt, Gary Pickren. And greetings welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Dish and Dirt. I'm your often opinionated and rarely wrong host, Gary Pickren, coming to you from the beautiful downtown offices of Blair Cato Pickren, Castellan, in beautiful downtown Columbia, South Carolina, this, the third week of November 2023. Next week is Thanksgiving. I'm not sure if I'll do a show. If I do, it'll probably be a really short show. It'll be also released on Wednesday. I've got a couple of ideas for a topic or two that I could cover that are a little shorter in nature, but I'll see what I can get thrown together for you all next week. We will 100% return the following week after Thanksgiving with another full show. I'm hoping it'll be on a topic other than what we're going to talk about today, which seems to be the ever-going, never-dying topic of the Burnett-Sitzer lawsuits. These are the cases that involve the real estate commissions, uh, the adverse commission, as they like to call it. And we are going to have to, once again, unfortunately, talk about those cases and some of the fallout. And the fallout has been tremendous from those cases. As our great American poet Salt and Pepper once said, here we go, here we go, here we go again. And I think that is the theme of what is going on now is here we go again. Once again, another case, another case, and another case are continuing to be filed. Now, it's not all bad news in the real estate market. We have seen some tremendously good news. We'll talk about that real quick. That is, mortgage rates have fallen. I think it was the best that they have fallen in 16 years or something like that. So we saw a tremendous retreat from the highs we had just a few weeks ago that brought rates at or above 8%. We've seen them retract now back into the lower sevens. Perhaps we're starting to see some good news on the real estate interest rate. So we'll keep our eyes on that and hopefully have more good news as we continue. But in the meantime, let's go ahead and jump right into our show and let's talk about some of the fallout from the Sitzer Burnett case, but also some things that you can do to try to protect yourself against what could be even more claims. So let's go ahead and get in the show. If y'all have ever seen the Field of Dreams, the main character in the show, or one of the main characters, is a famous baseball player called Shoeless Joe Jackson. He is from the Greenville area, and he's probably one of the greatest baseball players of all time. He's not in the Hall of Fame because he is allegedly involved in cheating in the World Series for the Chicago White Sox. I personally don't think Shoeless Joe Jackson cheated. If you look at his stats in the whole series, in fact, he had some of the best stats of uh, any player in, in a long period of time during the World Series, and it, it doesn't appear that he did cheat. Nevertheless, he was accused of cheating, and uh, that pretty much ended his career. And to, the, to this day, he still is not in the Baseball Hall of Fame, which is a absolute travesty. But in that movie, Field of Dreams, he said, if you build it, they will come. He said that to Kevin Costner's character. And I think that's what the Sitzer and the Burnett case is. If you build it, the ambulance chasing lawyers will all come, and they certainly have come. They've come out of the woodwork, and they have started filing lawsuits all over the country, including right here in our own backyard in Spartanburg, South Carolina. We're going to talk about the Spartanburg, South Carolina case. What we are starting to see is a lot of wreckage from this $5.4 billion verdict the Sitzer case uh, resulted in, in case you all have been living under a rock. uh, That was the case that came out a few weeks ago where the plaintiffs alleged that the practice of the listing agent paying the buyer agent's real estate commission for the buyer 
that it somehow was anti-competitive. And as a result, the jury came back with about a $1.75 billion verdict, which was trebled by the judge to $5.4 billion. Now, that will be appealed. So it'll be a long time before we see the final result of that case. But what we are seeing is, in fact, copycat lawsuits. And this cannot be understated, that there is a lot of wreckage from this lawsuit that is starting to reverberate all around the country. Now, as we have talked about multiple times on this show, we still have the Morelli case or a Morell case that's still outstanding in Illinois. That's on the docket. It will be heard at some point. That's another case very similar to Sitzer Burnett. And we also have the Batten case. We call it now call that Batten case number one that's also sitting out there. But now since the hammer's falling on the Sitzer and Burnett case, we're starting to see lawyers all over this country line up. Now, the first lawyer to line up was the lawyer who actually represented the plaintiffs in the Sitzer Burnett case. And as you all remember, within minutes of that verdict came, coming out, he filed what has become known as the Gibson case. And that's a lawsuit now against Compass, EXP, Redfin, which is an interesting defendant since their whole model is completely different than everybody else's in terms of how they pay their agents. Weikert, United Real Estate, Howard Hanna, Douglas Elliman, and again, the National Association of Realtors. As the attorney, which is uh, named Ketchmark, has said, this suit promises to be much larger in scale than Sitzer, which again resulted in a $5.4 billion verdict. But we now have a few other lawsuits, uh, including one, as I said, here in Spartanburg, as well as one now they are calling the mother of all commission suits. So let's talk, first of all, about the mother of all commission suits. It was just recently filed in Illinois. It's the seven home buyers that are led by Meyer Batten. That name might sound familiar because those seven or eight plaintiffs are the same in the Batten 1 case. But now what they've done is they've come in and filed a federal antitrust lawsuit on November 2nd. And what they do, what they're doing is they're seeking class action status against Compass, EXP, Redfin, Weikert, United, Howard Hanna, and Douglas Elliman. And this case was filed in the United States District Court for the Northern District of Illinois Eastern Division. This case is going to be called Batten 2. And it's the second case, as I said, filed by those original Batten plaintiffs. Now, this complaint alleges, and this is a quote, defendants' unlawful anti-competitive conduct causes America's home buyers to pay inflated commissions for broker services they misrepresent as free to pay inflated prices for the homes they purchase, and to receive reduced quality broker services. A lot to unpack there. First thing is you'll notice this is not a lawsuit filed on behalf of the sellers. It's now a lawsuit being filed on behalf of the home buyers, which is very interesting that they claim they paid inflated commission for broker services they misrepresented as free. I don't know that people misrepresented those brokers as free. Uh, to pay inflated prices for the homes. Well, they didn't pay inflated prices for the homes because the houses appraised, presumably, if these people were able to get mortgages. So they paid what the house was worth. They paid what the market price dictated because sellers would not have just reduced the price based on whether you have a real estate agent or not. And I don't understand the received reduced quality broker services based on what. It, this makes absolutely no sense. On one hand, they're claiming that the home buyers and the seller lawsuits didn't have to pay the commissions that the sellers had to pay it, but now they're trying to say, no, the buyers had to pay it. So it seems to be contradictory to the other lawsuits that are basically uh, saying that the sellers are paying the commission. Now they're saying somehow the brokers, the buyers are paying it and they're paying it at a greater rate. I guess these defendants expect to be represented for free. So let's 
say that the that the model that has uh, emerged from the Sitzer Burnett case was in place before this lawsuit, these defendants would have paid the commission themselves as buyers directly to the agents. So let's hypothetically assume what they're saying is correct here, which is that they paid 3% more for the purchase of the house. Well, they would have paid 3% to the real estate agent to represent them as the buyer, so their damages are nothing, right? Because if they would have claimed they were paying $206,000 for a house, it was worth two hundred. If they would have bought it for two hundred, they still would have paid six thousand dollar real estate commission to their agent. So it's the same thing. Makes no sense. But I don't think any of these lawsuits have made a whole lot of sense either. But we'll see how this one plays out. The plaintiffs and the other class members they claim have incurred at least thousands of dollars in overcharges as a result of defendants' conspiracies. Again, you're the only profession in the world that's not allowed to charge a fee. That was that was agreed to by the parties in writing, but apparently you're not allowed to do that. Here are some important things to note from this case. One, it's a nationwide class made up of all persons who since December 1, 1996 through the present purchased in the United States residential real estate that was listed on a NAR MLS. For this class, the plaintiffs are asking for injunctive release, meaning either a court order prohibiting or requiring different behavior by the defendants. Number two, the damage class is made up of all persons who since this same date, December 1, 1996, through the present purchased in the indirect purchaser states, residential real estate that was listed on the NAR MLS, and they're asking for damages under antitrust, unfair competition, consumer protection, and unjust enrichment laws. Indirect purchaser states. Let's talk about what states those are. The complainants come from these states, Arizona, Arkansas, California, Connecticut, Florida, Hawaii, Idaho, Illinois, Iowa. Kansas, Maine, Massachusetts, Michigan, Minnesota, Mississippi, Missouri, Nebraska, Nevada, New Hampshire, New Mexico, New York, North Carolina, North Dakota, Oregon, Rhode Island, and here's one, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, Utah, Vermont, Virginia, West Virginia, Wisconsin, Puerto Rico, and Washington, D.C. So (laughs) a large number of states there, including our very own state of South Carolina and our neighboring state, of North Carolina. Georgia is not listed in this lawsuit as one of the indirect states. So this is the mother of all commission lawsuits, and this is the one that promises to be the most painful if it actually hits. Now, let's talk about the big case in South Carolina. There's another case that has been filed in South Carolina, and that's the big news that hit this past couple of days. This lawsuit was filed not only in South Carolina, but in Spartanburg County, one of the places that where Cato has an office and where we have a lot of listeners to this actual podcast. The case is Chantel Burton versus the National Association of Realtors, Keller Williams, LLC, Keller Williams Realty, Inc. It's interesting in this case that it's only one plaintiff, Miss Burton. And it's also of interest that the only brokerage named is Keller Williams, But that's at this point, the lawyers are asking for a class to be determined. And I assume if they're able to get class action by the court, that then they would turn around and maybe add more defendants. This complaint was 59 pages long. It was filed by lawyers Patrick Nee, Matthew Sheely, Mitch Slade, who are, by the way, all Spartanburg lawyers. So it's not massive, big tort law firms coming in from New York or Atlanta, Charlotte, they're actually Spartanburg lawyers. This lawsuit, 59 pages, includes Exhibit A, which is the National Association MLS listing policy, as well as the settlement statement from the Burton closing. And I have to say, this is one time that I'm glad that Blair Cato was not the closing attorney because 
Uh, the closing attorney's name is on the exhibit as well. Now, this class is defined as, or they're trying to define it as, all persons from November 6, 2019 through present using a listing broker affiliated with Keller Williams in the sale of a home listed on one of the MLSs that comprise the real estate market of the District of South Carolina. Like the other lawsuits, the plaintiffs here are claiming that they would have paid substantially lower commissions because the brokers representing the buyers of the homes would have been paid by the buyer. Sure, that's what they all say, right? Let's talk about what this complaint actually says. One of the statements in the complaint, the conspiracy hearing complained of has multiple illogical, harmful, irrational, and anti-competitive effects and that it requires sellers to pay supermarket rates for services provided by buyer brokers to the buyer, the seller's adversary in the transaction. B, raises, fixes, and maintains buyer broker compensations at levels that would not exist in a competitive marketplace. I completely disagree with that. C, encourages and facilitates steering and other agency costs that impede innovation and entry into the market by new and lower-cost real estate broker service providers. Now, that is actually laughable, absolutely laughable. There have been multiple people entering the market at lower-cost real estate brokers, and they have all failed. It's not what the market has ever wanted. So that's completely laughable. The next case uh, we'll talk about here is New York, and this one's a little bit concerning because it really starts to show that no brokerage is immune to being sued in this manner when they started these lawsuits in Manhattan. So you have Monty March has filed a lawsuit in U.S. District Court in the Southern District of New York. The Southern District of New York is one of the more famous districts of New York. That's where the Mafia, Gotti, and all these other guys, they get brought down. Uh, usually it's through the Southern District or the Eastern District of New York. Uh, they allege that the Real Estate Board of New York rules govern the multiple listing service in Manhattan to keep commissions high, and they violate state and federal antitrust law. So let me read you the 26 defendants that they have sued now. The Real Estate Board of New York, the Real Estate Board of New York Listing Service, Brown Harris-Stevens, Christie International, Colwell Banker, Compass, for Marketing Service, the Cochran Group, Douglas Elliman, Elegrin, Ingle and Volkers, Fox Residential Group, Halstead Real Estate, HomeSnap, Keller Williams, New York, Leslie Garfield and Company, Level Group, MNS Real Estate, Modern Spaces, the agency, which I find funny considering he's one of the parties who filed the lawsuit uh, trying to actually to allow the pocket listings, the Modeling Group, Nest Seekers International, Oxford Property Group, R New York, Remax, Sirhan. Sloan Square, Sotheby's International Realty Affiliates, basically 26 brokerages. So they're not just going for the big boys, they're going for everybody. So it's very important to note, however, that nowhere in here have we seen individual agents or teams being named in any of these lawsuits. So at least that's still good news there. But man, they are going now not only after the big names of Keller Williams and Colwell Banker and those, they're actually starting to go for the smaller groups as well. There's a little bit more news about the Burnett case and that the plaintiff's attorneys are in talks with the Department of Justice, or as I like to call them, the Department of Injustice. I don't see much justice going on these days at the Department of Justice. But according to Emma News, the United States Department of Injustice and the attorneys for home sellers, plaintiffs, and Sitzer Burnett have entered into what they say is, quote, very significant and ongoing talks with the aim of shaking up how the real estate industry operates. 
This was according to Michael Ketchmark, the plaintiff's lawyer in the lawsuit. He states, we, we're in alignment with what the Department of Justice wants, to make real estate part of the free market and to get the National Association of Realtors out of rigging the system. We think this is a real opportunity for change. I mean, wow, what a hero. This this catch mark, man, I mean, I tell you what, he is a man of the people. I mean, we should be naming buildings after this guy. Uh, he's not a joke at all. I mean, he's a real person. Right, yeah, I mean, he's a complete joke. His only interest is in money and fame. He does not care about anything of what he's talking about here, in my opinion. I think it's all about him making money and fame because he has absolutely no clue or concept of what he is unleashing on the market and how it's going to destroy the market in a very negative manner. Um, as I have discussed with my good friend Damian Burris, what he's proposing here to change, which is moving the buyer commission over to the buyer, is going to destroy low income and minority opportunities to buy houses. Damian uh, runs a uh, brokerage here in Columbia, South Carolina, and he said his community is already struggling coming up with down payments and paying high interest rates. And now you're going to try to throw another 3% real estate commission or 2% or 4%, whatever commission rate you want, on the buyer on top of that. Where are people in low-income neighborhoods going to come up with this money? They're not. What's going to happen is they're going to be unrepresented in these transactions. And when they're unrepresented, they're going to be taken advantage of. And that's going to be your next lawsuit. Is it unrepresented buyers and minority groups and low-income groups are going to be taken advantage of? because they were not represented in the transaction. That's going to be your next claim. So just be ready for it. I can see it coming. Catchmark says the conversations with the Department of Justice officials and think tanks have centered around putting the trade organization out of the business of using the MLS as a vehicle for a higher commission. I have said for years, I will say this, that I believe that the MLS should be separate. The National Association of Realtors, I am very thankful here in Columbia, South Carolina, the CCRA and the CMLS are not the same. I do think that they should be separate. As the National Association of Realtors attorneys made the argument during the trial, the National Association of Realtors doesn't track, receive, or set agent commissions. They don't receive any percentage. They don't get paid for it. They make zero money off of it. And, and it also should be noted in the real estate market, most of these agents are small businesses who average $55,000 a year. So they want to make it as if all these real estate agents are million-dollar listing agents like Josh Flagg and the guys like that, and they're making millions and millions of dollars. That's not the average agent. The average agent makes $55,000 a year. Think of that. That's the average agent. So exactly where do we see this going? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, do the buyers think they're going to get these services for free? I, I don't see that. I think how that's going to happen is they're going to start paying for it, and it's going to push a lot of people out of the market. Um, a lot of agents have been asked over the past couple of months where they see things. And one agent I read uh, on MN News was talking about how she doesn't believe she'll ever offer co-op commissions ever again to the buyer side. She thinks that it sets her up for getting sued and she's not in the uh, mood of getting sued. So she's no longer going to offer a co-op commission at all. That will now be the buyer responsibility to pay their own commission. I'm not sure how that'll play out. We've had other Agents in states like North Carolina, which is very similar to South Carolina, say that they are used to having a very detailed buyer agency agreement that explains buyer commissions and everything's already being disclosed. So they don't see a lot of changes. And as I mentioned earlier, South Carolina is one of 18 states that has buyer agency. So I think that is actually going to help us as well.
So here's what you need to do. Let's talk about what to do from a defense standpoint. Number one is always, always, always get buyer agency signed at the right time. And that is before you give any advice or client type services to the buyer. And that's very, very early, in my opinion. You need to provide a buyer agency agreement in writing and have it signed by the buyer. But you need to go through the buyer agency agreement with the buyer, highlighting certain things that are important, underlining with a pen. And I would make sure to do that because that shows that you actually went through the document with the buyer. Highlight important terms that relate to the buyer and their obligations and how you're getting compensated. Make sure you're highlighting that and pointing those out to the buyer. Secondly, is learn how to do a buyer agency presentation. If you have never done one, go back into my podcast and search for the podcast I did on explaining agency. And maybe what I'll do is go ahead and repost that for Thanksgiving. I think that's probably what I'll do. I'll post that again for Thanksgiving. That could be your Thanksgiving homework is to go back and listen to how you do buyer agency. It is very important now that you are fully explaining buyer agency, the value in buyer agency, and why they're signing buyer agency. Secondly, always complete the listing agreement fully and correctly. Again, take a highlighter, take a pen, highlight important provisions, underline important words for them, and have them sign it. Make sure everything is done. Have it dated. Do not half-ass this. Do not have a listing agreement that's not signed by you or the broker. If your broker allows you to sign them, you sign it. If your broker doesn't allow you to sign it, make sure your broker signs it. Make sure everything is complete. If it's a blank, make sure it's filled in. If it's not applicable, scratch it out, write N-A. You cannot be lazy on these agreements anymore. You have to do them, and you have to do them correctly. Thirdly, never say a fee is free. You're representing the seller. I don't think you've ever would have said that because you were getting paid a commission. But don't ever tell a buyer, well, you're not paying for the buyer's agent or my services are free because the seller pays for them. Never, ever use that word that your services are free because they're not part of the overall deal. That's one of the big complaints in the lawsuit is that buyer agents were saying, well, my services are free to you. Don't say that. Number four, never say or never allude that the real estate commissions are set by law. There is no law with real estate commissions. We have no rules on that. There is no nothing under the South Carolina Real Estate Act 40-57 that even talks about your real estate commissions. So make sure that you never tell somebody that a fee is set. Never say that 6% or any percent is an industry standard. Don't even use the word industry standard. There is no industry standard when it comes to commissions. I would lose that term industry standard forever. Don't ever use that. The fee is what your fee is and what you set. Next, you need to be able to explain what a buyer agent does. What is your value add? You need to memorize that and make sure that's part of your presentation. You might even want to put it in writing. It's some of the many things that we do for you as a value add. It could be a really nice pamphlet or flyer to hand to your client while you're going over. Think of all of the things that you do as a buyer agent. Negotiate. Dealing with repairs, dealing with final inspections, dealing with appraisers, dealing with the lenders, dealing with the attorneys. All the millions of things that you as a buyer agent does that provides value. Think about all the the big stress items you do for a buyer 
when you start putting this list together? What are the things that a buyer does not want to do? As a buyer of real estate, I don't want to negotiate. I want somebody else to do the negotiation. That's stressful for me. I want somebody to help me figure out the repairs. I don't want to have to go line up the repairs, be there while they're getting done, get the reports back and have to try to decipher what's in them. I want you to do that for me as a real estate agent. So hit those real high pressure points for most consumers. And then lastly, this is from my good friend, Renee Royal. I agree with her 100%. Quit posting about these cases on your public social media feeds to your consumers. If you want to talk about them together, that's fine. Podcasts like this, this is great. But you do not need to be posting every single day about these cases out there and reminding the public of what's going on. Just drop it. Move on. Talk about it amongst yourselves. Talk about it in your company. Figure out what you need to do to protect yourselves. But we don't need to be constantly be talking about these cases in the public. I personally think what we're going to see is the future look more like the New York model. Uh, in case y'all haven't seen that, recently New York, the New York Board of Real Estate just came out and said that no more co-op listings. So what you're doing is you're putting your fee in a listing agreement with the seller, and that's what you're getting paid. And then you're asking the seller what would they pay a buyer agent. And then they put that, I assume, in the multiple listing saying that the, the seller is will pay directly to the buyer's agent the following commission. It's going to be structurally the same. On the settlement statement, you're going to have two real estate commissions being paid. It doesn't look really any different, and it still will be advertised on multiple listing service, I would assume, in the same manner. I could see an issue, however, being created because once you as an agent put a commission on the multiple listing and a contract comes in, you can't change that commission, can't use that commission as a weapon against a party in negotiating. And that is my concern here is that every time a buyer submits an offer that the seller will say, well, I could never consider paying 3% or 4% or 2% real estate commission at that price. But at this price, I could pay it. And it now is going to pit the real estate agent, buyer agent, that is, against their own client, the buyer. So I could see some problems coming from that. So that should be some of the things there I believe should help you moving forward. I will say this, lastly, there is some good news out there. And it's some proof that some of these lawsuits and these claims are crap. And that is that 95% of buyers said that they would pay a buyer agent or the right condition. So the consumer still wants to have the buyer agent. So don't believe these lawsuits that they are acting as if the buyers don't need representation. That's absolutely asinine. Now, as I finish up today, I do want to make a personal uh, comment. I want to wish Dish and Dirt guest and friend Josh Harley. Josh is the uh, CEO at Fathom. And he recently stepped down as CEO to attend to a family medical crisis. We want to wish Josh and his family the absolute best and tell him that they are in our prayers. Josh is all about servant leadership. He came on Dish and Dirt to talk about uh, servant leadership. And I hope that those that he has served very well over the past many years will now seek to return the favor and serve Josh and his family and their needs in this time of uh, medical emergency. So Josh, we wish you the best. We wish your family the best and just think the world of you. All right. So that's our show today for Dish and Dirt. I hope everybody will like us, share us and subscribe to us and come back yet again next week for another episode. Everybody have a good week and a safe holiday and we'll see you soon.